0: From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Uh, I think it was August when Retail Sales recaptured all the lost, Mm you know,
1: pandemic losses. So um, they're well above that. We had a massive surge in retail sales in January. Might get a little bit more of an increase in February. We'll have to see that. That comes out on Tuesday. Hi,
0: everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here, Jeff Bookbinder on the line. Jeff, we were talking earlier this morning with our more than seventeen thousand advisors, and you said that the weather VIX, the volatility of the weather up there in Boston, has just been off the charts lately. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, we we went from seventy to twenty
1: in a span of about three days, and uh, it was it was pretty uncomfortable. I'll I won't lie. Uh, it's, it's a great time to uh, get outside. This Mm -hmm. pandemic, of course, has kept us inside more than we all want to be, but uh, the weather is sure
0: not cooperating uh, here in Boston right now. Boy, yeah, we had rain down here in the Charlotte area, I think the entire month of February and a good chunk of the month of March. It was unbelievable how much rain, and that slowed down. Um, Yesterday was up in the upper, almost upper 70s, I think, but that's going to be the high for the next 10 days. But nonetheless, it is spring, and we're recording this, or not officially spring, but we're recording this on the Ides of March. March 15th, March madness is upon us. We will give our March madness picks, by the way. And if anyone remembers, I am a the ultimate contrarian indicator. So whatever I say, I'm sorry if I jinx your team, but I will probably get it wrong. With this week in the podcast, Jeff and I are going to talk about what we're calling the stocks 2021 final four factors, what four things really matter. This is a fun one. Uh, We've done it every year for about 10 years now. A fun one, what four things really matter for stocks the rest of 2021, and honestly, maybe even out a little bit further. Also, we have a Fed meeting this week, so we're going to do a little bit of a Fed roundup, also talk about inflation. Inflation is one of the top questions we've received um, consistently for the last couple of months with all the stimulus that's out there. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to round it up. We'll see how much time is left because the final four factors might take a big chunk of this. Then we're going to do a little bit of an economic roundup, kind of how we see the economy and some of the what's improving and maybe some areas that aren't improving quite as much as we'd like. But Jeff, let's just get into it. This week's weekly market commentary, which by the time people listen to this, they can go to lpl.com and and find it there our advisors can go to the resource center and find it the 2021 final four factors i'll just go through them real fast vaccines number one policy number two profits number three rates number four let's start with number four which again is rates um jeff why are rates so important i'll kind of you you kind of lead this and i'll jump in periodically why are rates so important for how stocks do and kind of the economy the rest of this year?
1: Well, Ryan, the simple answer is um, a stock is a claim on future profits, right? And so profits in the future are worth less when interest rates rise. Right. Uh, and this is why um, growth stocks in particular have been having a tough time recently because a growth stock gets more of its value from cash flows further out in the future. Um, the uh, you know value stocks are benefiting more from the stimulus and the accelerating economic growth, because they derive more of their value from profits now. Um, that That's one way to answer that. I mean, the other way to answer that is, you know, we've got a lot of debt in this country, as, as all of you know, and we've got to service that debt. So if rates get too high, uh, then that, you know, the, the extra cost uh, to pay for that debt is is potentially going to uh, be an economic headwind. Um, so that that is certainly um, uh, a factor as well. Last thing, Ryan, um, bonds and stocks are in a competition for mm-hmm. assets, right? And so, if rates go higher, um, you know, people might buy more bonds and, and and sell stocks for their, you know, more defensive portfolios. Um, that, that can be a concern for stock investors as well. Although we don't think that's a concern,
0: just just yet. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you think about it. Uh, we talked a lot last week, right, about the fact that. Higher trending 10-year yield historically has been pretty good for stocks, especially since the mid-90s. We found 13 periods of a higher trending 10-year yield um, for an extended period of time. And the S&P gained 10 of those times. It's actually gained every single time uh, since the mid-90s. And again, it's, it's kind of maybe as simple as... higher trending 10-year yield likely is the bond market's way of saying, yes, there could be a little bit more inflation coming, but there could also be some economic growth coming. And Remember, yields go up, bond prices tend to go down. It's one of the things we learned a long time ago in Finance 101. And again, as you said, that competition for assets um, tends to do uh, pretty well for stocks. So Jeff, that's that's the number one. Now, let's see. If you're watching along on the YouTube channel, thank you. We are sharing uh, the imagery, I guess you could say, of the Stocks 2021 Final Four factors. Um, I want to dig in for a second, though, Jeff, the story of higher rates. It's not just a US theme, right? It is global theme. You want to talk a little bit about that? And again, we are sharing a chart that shows year to date. By the way, if you're just listening on the podcast, think to yourself for a second, because if you're watching on YouTube, you already know the answer. Who do you think has the largest year to date change in the 10 year treasury yield? Think about it. Think about it. You probably didn't get it. New Zealand. I'd probably it might have taken me all day to work my way to the country of New Zealand. New Zealand, Australia, Canada, all have seen significant jumps in the ten-year yield year to date. Then you've got the U.S., United Kingdom, Sweden, Spain, Greece, Netherlands. I mean, even Japan and China have seen positive, or I should say, increases in their ten-year yields. Not quite as much as other countries, but it's a global phenomenon. What does that mean, Jeff, from an investments point of view?
1: Yeah. Well, my first reaction to that, Ryan, is to point out that these. The biggest increases are in countries that uh, derive a lot of their uh, tax revenues from commodities, exactly. commodity exports, mm-hmm. right? I mean, right. Canada is an obvious one with big oil, uh, and Australia is certainly a big commodity exporter into China. Um, what does it mean? I mean, it means that the inflation picture is tied to the reopening, right? right? And it's not just the US reopening, although we're doing better than most. The whole world is reopening right to, to various degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know it makes sense as economic growth expectations improve, uh, that expectations for more inflation would follow. And then with that, um, uh, certainly rates. So um, you know this is this is a global phenomenon and it's probably going to continue hopefully gradually, because we saw on the final four slide, when, when rates go higher quickly, uh, that can cause uh, stock market volatility. We want rates to rise gradually from here, uh, and um, you know, not get people too nervous about what
0: the Fed might do. No, exactly. We'll talk more about inflation and the Fed here in a little bit on the podcast. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about since we're talking about rates, I wasn't exactly sure where to plug this in, but we'll do it now. Um, you know, one of the hardest hit areas when we've seen the surge in 10 year yield, and we've talked about this for the last few weeks on this podcast, like Jeff mentioned, uh, technology and growth names. Again, is are impacted a little bit more by the way that um kind of their future revenues come from? And a lot of growth companies and technology companies have really leveraged low rates right here to finance their future growth so the big surge in the 10 years impacted them a little bit but we, we wrote about this on our blog lplresearch.com last week and again we're sharing the image on the youtube channel right now but historically it took 15 days jeff so that's trading days let's just call it three weeks right five days a weeks so three weeks okay for the NASDAQ to go from an all-time high to a correction, that's 10%. I don't make the definition somebody does. For whatever reason, we call you know, 10% a correction, 20% a bear market. That was a 10% correction, one of the fastest corrections in the history of the NASDAQ. When we took a look, remember NASDAQ started in the late 70s. We took a look at all the fastest previous 10% corrections ever. Sure enough, um, three, six, and 12 months later, the returns are pretty good. Six months later, up 23.6% on average. Higher, let's see, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. 10 out of 11 times higher six months later, also higher 10, 11 times. 12 months later, up nearly 30% on average. Only the tech bubble burst of the year 2000, I should say. Um, I guess it was in March of 2000 we saw. a a quick correction and then continued weakness, as we know, for multiple years, honestly. But every other time, we saw technology come back fairly significantly. So I guess, Jeff, my question to you, then we're going to move forward in our um, final four. Was this a buying opportunity? I know last week, you straight up said this might be a buying opportunity for some solid tech companies. And we had a little bit of a bounce. Was this the buying opportunity, you think? Yeah,
1: nice to see the NASDAQ up 3% last week, even though the tech didn't really do much. Uh, Generally, yes. Now, mm-hmm. um, you know, value might do better in the near term. In fact, that's probably a good bet. Yep. But uh, that doesn't mean that that the Nasdaq has to go down. Right. Um, so we think, you know, tech and the Nasdaq probably ends higher this year than it is right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if this recovery continues to progress, uh, as it has recently, which I mean, all all indicators are certainly pointing to a really strong Reopening here over the next several months, that probably be a stronger tailwind for the value side, you know, financials, banks, uh, energy, materials, industrials, and areas like that.
0: Absolutely. So, Jeff, let's go forward now. We've got the slide back up. The final four factors. Number three is profits. I'll set the stage, and I know you are the earnings guru here at LPL Research. I mean every single time we talk about earnings season it seems like it's supposed to come in like down, I don't know, 10, 20, whatever percent it is and then it comes in way more than expected. Fourth quarter, we were talking about a couple of months ago maybe down double digits, came in I think up 4% uh year over year. Earnings this year could be up as much as 25% and honestly, that might be the low low ball in it. I mean Jeff, it's pretty obvious, but why do profits matter so much and what's the profit outlook here at LPL for the rest of this year? Yeah, Ryan, it's you
1: know, I alluded to it before um when I'm talking about rates, right? The fundamental value of a stock is is its its future earnings, right? It's future cash flows. And so um the story there is is really, really good. We we've talked about it a lot over the last few quarters. Uh estimates have been way too low. We beat expectations by a lot in Q2, Q3, and now Q4. Uh we'll wait and see what happens in Q1, but um the trajectory is is up. Uh, not only are we looking at maybe 25% earnings growth. This year, uh, but we could end up with double digit growth again in 2022 based on consensus estimates right now. So, uh, you know, the earnings uh, trajectory just keeps getting better and better. And, you know, even though we've had this massive rally off of the lows last March, you know, 75 percent
0: or so, um, it's been supported by the profit picture. So unlike my Xavier Musketeers, I went to Xavier University in Cincinnati, Ohio. They started the season off 8-0. They were ranked. Everything was going good. Then had a bunch of COVID, a bunch of shutdown issues um, or shutdowns. Then they just couldn't get it together, and they fell apart late. You're saying earnings are going to be good this year, and unlike Xavier – they're going to come through next year. So that's uh that's good. That's my little basketball analogy. You know, also, Jeff, which catches me when you talk about earnings. So let's say the U.S. is up 25% for the year, which, honestly, it might be a little higher when all is said and done, right? Emerging markets are up mid-30% year over year, and even developed internationals up a little bit more than the United States, at least in terms of expectations. So kind of like that slide where we showed it's a global um, higher-yielding world or higher 10-year world that we're living in we're also seeing a higher uh, profits around the globe. But Jeff, let's now go to policy. And we do have a a Fed meeting this week, so maybe we'll kind of combine that uh, during this section here. Um, Policy plays such a big part of it, right? Whether it be what the government's doing, spending, taxes, regulation, or what the Fed is doing. Obviously, we put this at number two. You could make some arguments, it should have been number one, but I'm I'm good with what we did number one is vaccine. But still, why is policy the second most important factor going forward here for uh, stock investors?
1: Yeah, the, the amount of stimulus, Ryan, has just been unbelievable. It, it was already multiples larger than what we got during the financial crisis, even before this extra 1.9 trillion that we uh, we just got last week. You, if you add all that up, uh, it's over 20% of GDP, of the, of the US economy wow. in, in stimulus, which is really hard to believe. And that doesn't even include what what the Fed is doing, so that's going to drive um, stronger economic growth. We're looking at, you know, potentially more than six percent growth in GDP this year in the U.S. That some folks are saying eight. We'll see what the Fed does with their forecast uh, this week, but uh, certainly uh, a six percent kind of number is is very reasonable uh, to expect with all that stimulus, because we're going to get a reopening of the economy at the same time uh, that a lot of that is hitting. Uh, And we're just going to be going gangbusters here uh, in in just a few months. And then, you know, the other side of that is, well, what does it mean for the Fed? Uh, They are going to change their economic growth forecasts and issue their policy statement on Wednesday uh, of this week. And frankly, uh, we wouldn't expect them to change anything. You know, the unemployment picture hasn't changed uh, meaningfully since we heard from them last. They've been saying, you know, Zero rates essentially for the next two years plus. Right. Uh, we'll hear that again. They've been saying inflation is temporary. If it comes through, which it will, we're going to take them at their word and say that that's probably the case too. So uh, we wouldn't get too uh, too hung up on you know whether expectations for rate hikes shift a little bit two to three years out. Uh, but certainly, people will be watching uh, every word there from the Fed uh, very closely because. Rising
0: interest rates is probably the biggest concern for investors right now. Absolutely. So that Fed decision will be Wednesday afternoon, Tuesday, the two day meeting kicks off. I know the dot plots. So that's kind of what the uh, Fed Fed voting members are expecting is set to be released as well. And we'll probably talk about that, honestly, next week on the podcast. But it'll be a a little bit of a clue, um, you know, as to when we might start to see some rate hikes again. It's looking like 2023, at least with the data we know now. Now, Jeff, let's go to part two of that along the lines of the Fed, which is inflation. CPI came out uh, last week up I'm going to say only year over year. We've talked about it on this podcast a lot, right? We call this market signals for a reason. The signals we're seeing from some of the market things along the lines of manufacturing, when you peel back the onion, we're seeing some really high input output prices. We're seeing much higher commodity prices. I mean, just look at copper, look at nickel, look at zinc. um, You know, look at lumber. These commodities are going higher. So we're seeing higher prices somewhere, but yet inflation's not a worry when I look at the CPI data and a lot of smart people are saying, with all the stimulus that you just discussed, massive, potentially massive inflation is coming down the road. That's not our base case. We've talked about it, I think, every week, but I think it's important to keep going there. Where do you see inflation heading in the U.S., and why don't we see uh, a Zimbabwe type of environment where massive inflation comes, all the spending that we're doing here?
1: Yeah, we could do um, a, a whole podcast on just that question alone. Um, exactly. So, <laughs> yes. inflation, you know, inflation is going to rise. You know, we might see CPI prints north of 3%. Uh, maybe even approaching four because of the year-over-year comparisons, Mm -hmm. right? When you're coming off of sharp declines in commodity prices and frankly, sharp uh, declines in in jobs, right? Remember March and April is when we lost uh, all those jobs last year. The year-over-year comparisons coming off of those lows are really easy. So you're going to see big year-over-year changes. I think you need to judge inflation maybe six months from now uh, not, not this month, right? So, you know, that's that's the whole inflation is temporary thing that you've heard from uh, Fed Chair Powell. Uh, now, why don't we expect runaway inflation? Well, the Fed's been trying to create inflation for a decade and has not been able to. Japan's mm-hmm. been trying for 30 years and hasn't been able exactly. to. Exactly. Right, uh, and there are structural forces pushing down on inflation that I, I know we've talked about here. Uh, we can comparison shop on the internet. Uh, there's globalization. You can always find cheaper labor somewhere else. Um, you know, The uh, technology development has certainly made it cheaper uh, to get commodities and, and cheaper to do, frankly, a lot of things. We've seen a productivity boom over the last several decades. So inflation is just, it's tougher to envision uh, significant inflation uh, in the near term. A lot's going to have to happen. And by the way, we can, we haven't talked about it too much. When you have this much slack in the labor market, right?
0: It's hard to push wages higher. Wages are a big piece uh, of the inflation equation. Yeah, and we'll, you know, we'll talk more about the economy over the coming weeks. We've got a big jobs number coming up. Um, That'll be March, the March jobs number comes out in early April expected maybe a million jobs uh, created, we created nearly 400,000 jobs, nearly double what was expected. And again, that could potentially do higher wages, which is a good thing, and maybe a little bit higher inflation as well. I mean, so Jeff, let's, let's wrap this up on policy. Um, You know, the $1.9 trillion policy plan is signed, sealed and delivered. Um, Nothing two out of the ordinary there now we're like we always do looking forward to anywhere between a two to four trillion dollar who's counting between two and four trillion dollar um infrastructure bill, uh, with a lot of other things that'll be in there. But what we just saw this morning is there's talk of uh, Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg had articles uh, over the weekend and this morning talking about likely higher taxes will be coming to help finance a lot of the spending that we're doing. And the corporate tax rate, which is 21%, which one of the lowest numbers we've ever had, could go back up to 28%, which is right about where it was actually before President um, President Trump and his tax cuts took place. We didn't think it'd be quite 28% this time, uh, six, seven, eight months Ago, but I guess there's a chance it could be. Talk to me a little bit about how higher taxes could play into all of these things as it relates to policy.
1: Yeah, that that 28% shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. That was proposed by President Obama yep. and Vice President Biden. So, you know, that was kind of base case, I think, heading into the uh, presidential campaign. Uh, but now that we see how narrow the Senate uh, is, it looks like that might be tough to get. So is it possible? Sure. But maybe a couple points less than that um, is more uh, realistic. We'll have to see. So, yeah, taxes are getting up, like going up like it or not. um, There's there's really no way around that. And it's probably going to hit individual rates uh, as well as uh, corporate rates, because um, the Biden administration needs to fund the infrastructure program. If they do that with reconciliation, where they don't need 10 Republican senators uh, to go along with it, uh, then there's going to be a limit to how big this can get. They're going to need those tax increases to pay for these uh, programs, and uh, you know, so that's why we're thinking maybe it's going to be more of a one to two trillion than a two to four uh, trillion. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, this is a little bit of a headwind for stocks too. There are several headwinds for stocks, but that's certainly one of them. Uh, and th- I guess the good news is these aren't probably going to come until 2022, so we don't really need to
0: worry about uh, raising money to pay for taxes right now. Oh, exactly. Honestly, we're talking about it. This shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, especially the market. <laughs> the market was aware that this is something that Joe Biden definitely ran on and higher taxes likely are coming. You know, Bert White, our boss, our chief um, investment officer, CIO, has said, you know, potentially um you know we might have just hit an all-time low in our lifetime and what we pay for taxes right i mean you know not saying massive spikes higher in taxes here but what we've just gone through and where we're headed with all of the debt we need to refinance and, and, and pay for you know a little bit higher taxes could be could be on the way and again when you have higher taxes you also do have higher spending And that can be um, a positive from an investments point of view. But Jeff, the number one factor is vaccines. Now, before we go there, we're going to give our a little suspense here. We're going to give our um, uh, NCAA basketball winners. Now, you're uh, what I call a homer. Jeff, who do you think will win? um, I don't know whenever this is a couple of weeks in the final four and it's all said and done, who's going to be the last team standing? Well,
1: I I was first thinking Gonzaga, but then I realized, you know what? I've been a Kansas Jayhawk fan for really 30 plus years. So I just got to go with my homer pick. So there you go. Uh, It's going to be real tough for the Jayhawks. They they are losing a few guys from COVID for the first couple. Yeah. uh, Well, at least one and potentially more. Uh, So hopefully everybody will be back and healthy, at least for the third round, if they get that far. Yeah.
0: And, you know, it's it's interesting. I assume it's due to COVID, but I saw that, you know, the first round starts Friday and Saturday, Saturday. So Saturday, Monday, Um, historically, it's what Thursday and Saturday and then Friday and Sunday. But they pushed it back an extra day this year just to make things a little bit more interesting, I guess you could say. But I will say this. So those who remember, I know you do. I said Ohio state would beat Alabama. That didn't work. Um, I said the chiefs would win the super bowl. That didn't work. I honestly think there was another one in there somewhere, but I I get, I get them all wrong. Okay. When it comes to sports, I'm wrong every time. So I greatly apologize to all of the, Yep, Gonzaga fans out there, I've got titled this on the YouTube channel. The Ryan Jinx is real. Sorry, Zag fans. I um, I, they're undefeated, you know. Now, I guess the catch is what no undefeated team has ever won it since I believe it's Indiana in 1976. I mean, 2021 is so crazy, and 2020 so crazy. I said, you know what? This could be the year. This is the year an undefeated team is going to actually happen. And Gonzaga is awfully, awfully good. Um, But but I'm aware I just jinxed it. So I'm really sorry. I went to Xavier, okay? Xavier is a little Jesuit school. Gonzaga is a little Jesuit school. I I like the the Jesuit school. So I'm rooting for him. Um, I just think I just jinxed him. And Mark Few is probably going to be furious with Ryan uh, for doing that. But it is what it is. All right, Jeff, uh, we're kind of near the end of the road here. Let's finish things up with the number one factor as we see it that pertains to how stocks are going to do the rest of this year, maybe even further out. Pretty obvious at the end of the day, vaccines. Talk to me about why vaccines matter here and why the the trend continues to matter how the vaccine rollout goes.
1: Yeah, all these things are are tied together, right? Without the vaccines, you don't have the improving economic growth. Without the improving economic growth, you don't have the profits. Uh, Certainly policy helps, but uh, it's really uh, the biggest key. Uh, It's why this market has done so well uh, over the past year and it's why we're so optimistic about economic growth and, and the stock market going forward. Uh, the, the news, you know, the, the pandemic isn't over, we all know that, but the news just keeps getting better and better. Uh the you know, case counts are down 80 percent or so in the US. Uh, we, we've seen a dramatic decline in hospitalizations. Uh shots are getting in people's arms. Over 10% of the uh, US population has now been fully vaccinated and uh over 20 percent have gotten one shot so that's that's a pretty big number uh and we're really just getting started momentum's picking up uh so um you know over the next couple of months that's going to be a really large uh percentage of the of the u.s population you know we wouldn't say that's herd immunity and this is over but this economy is going to be fully open in a couple of months uh we think and um growth is going to really surge. Uh, we could potentially see quarterly GDP numbers in the neighborhood of 10%. Uh, and that's right. coming off of a pretty good place. Um, we're already pretty much back to where we started the pandemic in terms of GDP. We've pretty much fully recovered all of the lost output already. And then we're going to add you know, all the stimulus on top of it, the reopening fueled by
0: vaccines. Uh, the, the picture is, um, is looking quite bright. Uh, Absolutely. And again, it's usually take years for GDP to come back. Usually in 87, right? The S&P dropped 34% uh, from peak to trough. Last year, the S&P dropped 34% peak to trough. All right, it took less than five months last year to get back to an all-time high. In 87, it took like two and a half years to get back to an all-time high. It's just amazing at how quickly we've recovered from the stock market point of view and the economy. And the honest truth, one of the big questions we received last year consistently. Remember, stocks got killed in March. They're up in April, May, June, July, August at a five-month win streak. We heard continually, we talked on this podcast about how can stocks be going higher when things are this bad? But the truth is what we learned then and what we know now stocks are a forward-looking mechanism the stock market likely saw a much improving economy you know in the middle of last year and into the fall and that's exactly now what we are seeing happen i want one final stat jeff then i'll turn it to you to kind of wrap things up with what you see this week for investors pay attention to uh more than about approximately 30 million americans have been diagnosed with COVID 19. More Americans now have had uh, two doses of the vaccine, um, so that's that's a, just one more way to look at it. But again, a real positive, positive trend. So, Jeff, we've gone long this week, but I think there were some really good things to discuss. What's on your docket? Um, yeah, I guess besides the Fed, we already talked about the Fed this week that investors should be paying attention to.
1: Yeah, retail sales. Uh, you know, we talked about what surprised us about this economic recovery. That's probably uh, mm-hmm. Exhibit One right retail sales just uh i think it was august when retail sales recaptured all the lost um Mm you know pandemic losses so um they are well above that we had a massive surge in retail sales in january might get a little
0: bit more of an increase in february we'll have to see that that comes out on tuesday obviously people should be getting their 1400 checks uh this week i believe starting this week so retail sales should probably continue to uh to improve here so jeff thank you as always for joining the podcast um you know you guys will never know we had some technical difficulties right in the middle but hopefully it's as seamless as it is because we've got neil always there so thank you neil for helping us every single week we appreciate it and um you guys if you like this podcast please give us a like give us a follow um you know give us a positive review it really goes a long way and it really helps this podcast continue to grow so with all of that get your brackets ready and um you know, i used to say we we all when we like to stay home and just watch some games work a little bit. Now everybody does. So enjoy watching some basketball games later this week and try to get some work done in the meantime, but hey, we didn't even get March Madness last year. So let's enjoy Oh, and also it's St. Patrick's day. We didn't even talk about that. Uh, St. Patrick's day is obviously this week. So everybody enjoy that. Uh, be safe out there and uh, wear something green on Wednesday. So thanks again, everyone. We'll see you next week with the latest edition of the LPL Marcus Sinnels podcast. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principle. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All index are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical, and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliate. which are separate entities from, and not affiliates of, the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.